Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Uh, Dr. Siegel, what a pleasure to have you on the show today. Co-author with Tina Payne Bryson of The Yes Brain, How to Cultivate Courage, Curiosity, and Resilience in Your Child. Doctor, uh, welcome to our show. We appreciate it. Sue, thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. And you do a lot of work with, with uh, mindfulness and the brain. And I think that the, the future does lie in the brain. And I think sometimes we try to overlook changes that can be made and uh, behavior modification. And instead, uh, you see medication many times. So uh, talk about how you came to write this book with Dr. Bryson. Well, what we found was parents were wondering in this very chaotic world we have and the challenges we have with parenting, what are the ways we can actually bring strength to the brain of our children? And so the yes brain is basically a way where you create this inner uh, guide, a compass, really, which allows your child to have balance in their lives, allows them to have resilience, and allows them to face challenges where instead of collapsing, they actually have the courage to go forward and try things out in new ways if they're not working well. So in many ways, the yes brain is a way parents can build the brain of their child so that when they leave home, they're ready to face the world that's out there. What are some of the problems you see now with today's children? And I guess in tandem with this, it looks like parents have to also think differently as well. And sometimes that's, that's a tough one for them, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, these days, I think there's so much that's challenging about parenting. Parenting is one of the hardest jobs. And so if you're feeling stressed as a parent, you're not alone. These days, with so many distractions that kids have facing, for example, with social media when they get older, or even with a lot of the things that happen on screen time, people are used to very quick changes in their attention. So for a parent with a child who's having a hard time just focusing, this can be really, really difficult because to balance your emotions, to learn to connect to other people, to find a way to deal with challenges requires focusing attention. And when you learn as a parent these basic strategies of teaching a child how to actually cultivate this yes brain approach, what happens, this is based on science, what happens is you actually build the part of the brain that all this distraction doesn't build, but you can do that as a parent. And uh, you have the the faces of an integrated brain as your model. They are flexible, adaptive, coherent, energized, and stable. Let's talk a little bit about uh, flexibility with the children, doctor, because sometimes we see kids and their favorite word really is no, and um, <laughs> sometimes parents just capitulate immediately. How do we, how do we develop a, a flexibility or an openness with, with our kids? Well, exactly. Let's say your child says to you, um, listen, mom, I really want to have ice cream before dinner. I'm going to have ice cream. I got to have ice cream and I'm not going to eat dinner without ice cream. Now, you have a couple of ways you can go. 
one approach, which is what often we do, is to say, that is ridiculous. You're not having ice cream before dinner. No way. We don't do that in this home. Now, that's understandable because that's the rule, and you want to eat a meal before you have a dessert. So that's really a common response. But what that does is it doesn't give your child the opportunity to learn a skill. So here's a yes-brain approach versus that view, which is we would call a no-brain because it creates resistance in your child. Here's an alternative way to do it. You say, gosh, I would like to have dinner too after we have ice cream. Wouldn't it be great just to eat ice cream first? That would be so much fun. And your child is looking at you like, what? And then you go, you know, that's also a feeling I have of wanting to have it first. So you're identifying their mind, their feeling before you identify the structure you're going to give them. Then after you connect like that, you then say, you know something, we're going to have dinner first because you need to eat nutritious things before you have your dessert. And then let's think, do you want to have vanilla ice cream, strawberry chocolate after we have dinner? So what happens in that approach, it sounds so simple, but you've identified the mind of your child, their feelings, what they're hoping for. And instead of shaming them for it, which is what a no-brain approach can often do, you're actually saying, I see why you feel that way. Those feelings are okay, but we're not going to carry out that behavior. So you're giving them structure, and then they feel safe, and they learn, okay, I can have a feeling, and even if it doesn't go my way, I can have my dinner, and then I'll have dessert. All right. Now talk about uh, the adaptive part of this. Yeah, well, you know, you, you're hitting on the main thing. So flexible would be your child says, all right, I can't have the dessert. I'll go along with it. Adaptive is where they're saying in different situations that may be um, ways in which they have to say, okay, I was going to go to my friend's house, but my friend has a cold, so I can't go there. Now I have to go to Aunt Sally's with my mom and my sister. So many children lock on to the first idea. I was going to be with my friend, and they can't adapt to the new things that are they're required to do. So adaptation comes from literally in the brain. You have this capacity to say, here's what I initially wanted. I'm switching gears. And that gear switching mechanism in the brain is something a yes-brain approach actually is built by when you do these strategies that we, we offer in the book. And what it does, basically, in terms of adaptation, is it actually gives your child a sense of strength, ironically, because initially when kids dig their heels in right. and they don't adapt, mm -hmm. they think they're being strong, but you're actually teaching them a deeper kind of strength and wisdom of how to adapt to what's going on. All right. Now let's talk about coherent with our children. Yeah, you know, that term is a wonderful term, which basically means how you stay fully functional in different situations. So it's really a great term for resilience. And that means like when you get off balance, when you're in, stuck in rigidity, like I need to have this, or you're chaotic, like you're exploding with emotions like many of our kids can do. This is your ability to come back to that balanced place. So coherence is holding well together over time. It's being resilient. And when you teach these yes brain strategies, what you're doing is basically building the part of your your child's brain that allows them to shift gears, that's adapt, to be flexible in what they do, but then to have this capacity to have essentially an inner compass. So imagine when your child's going to be 18 and getting ready to leave the house. When you've given them these yes brain strategies, you've built this coherence in their brain 
so that resilience unfolds and when they face challenges and sometimes they're really difficult they can come back to balance and that's basically what the coherence term means in the faces acronym all right and the uh, energized term sometimes we're just so beaten down and exhausted as as parents uh, how do we how do we continue when we feel like we're fighting a losing battle and and uh, we have a a strong opponent like a child who is you know absolutely resistant to our ideas? You know, Sue, that is such a great question, and I think you're showing that the faces experience of becoming whole and integrated is something we as parents need as much as our kids, for sure. So this yes brain approach is just as much for us. And so here's the idea. Every moment there's something difficult going on. It's very understandable as parents. We say, oh, my God, this is so hard. It's too much for me. I'm overwhelmed. It's a burden. Oh, this is so difficult. Think about this. Even though the days are long, the years are short. Now, I have kids out in their 20s now, so they're out of the house. And when I think back to the years when they were at home, I think about them with a lot of fondness. Now, it's hard in the heat of battle, you know, when you're doing all the different things that parenting demands you do. It's hard to keep that in mind, but this is the way you can think about being energized. If you can realize that the moments that are most difficult are actually the opportunities for not only your child to have some deep learning, but you too to learn some new things, then you actually can reframe how you perceive these difficulties, and there's a lot of energy that's released from that. That's where the word energized comes from. You can really use a very focused strategy, this yes brain strategy, to create this yes brain in yourself, which, by the way, comes from just the idea that you can have a positive, robust attitude toward life rather than a down, shut down way that you live in a no brain state. And uh, finally, the, excuse me, the stability one, excuse me. I, I think yeah, arises from uh, they want that though, don't they, Doctor? Kids, they want stability. Yeah, you know, stability doesn't mean you're rigid and just completely predictable. Stability means there's a core inside of you as a parent, and you can teach this to your child, where even if things get off, you know that there's an inner compass that guides them. And let's say they're young children, let's say a toddler or a preschooler you can actually show them in your own ways of interacting with them that they have something inside of them, no matter what's going on with the kids at school or bedtime stuff, that there's an inner child there in your child that can be stable. Now, think about it this way. If that toddler and preschooler is now an elementary school kid and now going on to middle school and high school, you have taken the time to build these yes-brain circuits, which are these sources of an inner compass that gives them stability. It's like a a balancing capacity. And that's why it's a gift that keeps on giving. And that stability is really part of the whole way that the brain, if you looked at the brain science of this, it's really built these circuits that allow a child to approach all sorts of difficulties with clarity and with what's called equanimity, a kind of way of bringing themselves back to balance. Doctor, we have a very bad opioid crisis where we live and the median age for the people getting involved is is younger and younger how can parents work with their children during brain training to encourage them not to try harmful substances 
you know, that's such an important issue, and uh, and I I really can hear the challenge for any parent who's living in a community like that. And so, just a couple of things to say about opioids in particular. You know, these substances lock onto a part of the brain called the reward system, which involves a, a chemical called dopamine. And what that means is that when you take an opioid, it leads to your reward system saying, that was something I should be doing. I need to be doing more of it. Then once the opioid effect wears off, it crashes down. So in the brain, the reward system says, oh my God, something's missing, something's missing, I better do it again. And there's this incredible drive to take the opioids. This is, this is the really risky thing. So ways that you can build these things we're talking about really in the yes brain strategy of saying, can my child have an inner compass that guides them? Can I have a relationship with my child that is itself rewarding? Can I really build these connections? So that there's one study, for example, where rats were given the opportunity to either take water or take a dopamine-releasing substance, cocaine in this case, and they kept on taking the cocaine, but only when they were living in isolation. When they were in a social group and there were things to play with and other rats, they didn't do that. They didn't die from just keep on using this again. So we need to keep relationships alive. I think every intervention for drug abuse shows that it's our connections with people around us who can support us in, in recovering if we have become addicted or even in avoiding addiction. So communities, I think, need to get together and really deal directly as a collective with what the opioid crisis is really bringing as a challenge to parenting. And as you're saying, Sue, you know, it's so important to not have a young brain exposed to these substances because the brain actually resets itself to want want that substance, to need that substance, to have this reward circuit focused on that substance. So the longer you can keep a child away from being exposed to it, the better the brain will be. Uh, and of course, if we can stay away from it forever, that's even better. Do you have any opinion about uh, marijuana, recreationally and medically? You know, it's so interesting. Marijuana has uh, a lot of different research to show that there are some significant negative effects on the brain. Uh, and in some ways, those parallel the negative effects of alcohol. So in a community where people have emotions about alcohol that are positive, but emotions about marijuana that are negative, when you look at the research, you really have to ask yourself, you know, well, they're both really not so good for the brain in the, when they're used uh, uh, very in a way that's damaging, both can lead to serious injury to the connections in the brain, the neural connections. So I, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned that, uh, you know, people will use marijuana and use alcohol, by the way, in ways that are um, really troublesome. Now, the difference that people do point out is that while alcohol activates the dopamine system and you can become addicted to it, just like you can with opioids or cocaine, um, marijuana doesn't activate the reward system like that. And so while it can lead to difficulty with focusing attention and motivation and become a habit, it isn't addictive like alcohol or the opioids. So this is where people, when they say, well, look, if you have alcohol that's legal and that's addictive and you have 
marijuana that's not addictive, let's look at this as a you know, a playing field, and I think that's a reasonable discussion. Both are very concerning substances. Absolutely. All right. Before we let you go, because this is in your wheelhouse, can you say a little bit about mindfulness and young children as well as their parents? Because in this age of connectivity, doctor, it's so hard to get away from all this stuff. So can you give us a simple mindfulness tip that we can apply uh, today in our own lives? Absolutely. Well, the, the studies even like of, of dealing with drug addiction show that mindfulness is a very helpful intervention. What mindfulness is is basically being aware of what's happening as it's happening. And here's a simple tip you can do. It's incredibly simple. It's rarely done. And the research that we've done at, at our institution and other places as well shows that it's really, really helpful for how you balance your emotions, your thinking, your attention, and even your relationships. So here's how it goes. If you take, let's say, even 30 seconds a day to simply sit in a chair and invite yourself to just take a moment and sense your breath and just feel the breath. You can do it right now. Just feel the breath as it comes in, let's say, at your nostrils. Feel the in-breath as the in-breath is there. Sense the out-breath as the out-breath is there. In-breath and out-breath. Now, if you just do this, even 30 seconds, I'm talking about half a minute, you start there, you'll find you may want to do it for a minute. Now, what we've been able to show in many research centers is that if you just took the time to sense the breath in the brain, you actually start, it's called integration, integrating, connecting the different parts, and it leads to calmness, it leads to clarity, it leads to a sense of letting the chatter of the mind that often distracts us and gets people to use drugs often, it lets that calm down. And if you just did this alone, as a tip, Sue, you're asking about, if you just did this alone, you'd be amazed how if you do it as a parent and then you can teach this to your child, things start to change. And I know it sounds simple and you're probably thinking I'm making this up, but if there wasn't a ton of research to back it up, I wouldn't be so you know, clear about it, but it's really, really clear. Focusing attention on the sensation of something, in this case we're doing the breath, is a starting place for developing more of what's called mindful awareness, and that is the gateway to strength. It parallels the yes brain approach to basically creating this vitality inside, this flexibility, the adaptability, the coherence, and the energy, and the stability we talked about. This is one tip of many, but it's really good to start with this. Doctor, if I use this on my talk radio callers, you do realize you're going to wreck my show, right? Because then they'll lose, <laughs> they'll lose all their head of steam. Oh, my gosh. Well, the good news is you can have other heads of steam you can work on, Sue. <laughs> and we'll have other things to talk about. How about it? Uh, Dr. Siegel, what a pleasure to have you on the show today. And I was practicing those, oh, those tips you. while you were talking, and I felt uh, better already. The Yes Brain is the new book that you have at How to Cultivate Courage, Curiosity, and Resilience in Your Child. It's been our pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.